Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back into the Car Chronicle podcast, getting you ready for senior night or senior day this year against Virginia Tech on Sunday. Mike Rutherford back with Dan Snard. We had Jeff Greer on a couple of days ago to break up this long week. And it's just it, it's kind of a, a weird feeling week. I don't know about you, Dan, but it feels like the Florida State game was like a month ago at this point. Yeah, I've kind of blocked it out of my mind. Um, maybe it's just because of that awful second half, but I've kind of turned the page watched a decent amount of college basketball this week and getting in the March mood. I, I can feel it in my bones. Uh, senior day this year, it's, I guess we'll start with this because we found out a couple of days ago that Jordan war is going to be among the six players who are honored on senior day. Uh, he of course is not a senior as a junior. Chris Mack was asked today. We're recording this Friday afternoon about whether or not there was any sort of path that you know, could see Jordan coming back for uh, his senior season at Louisville, and his response was not really, which I guess kind of leaves the door open, like cracked slightly, but it's 99% uh, certain that Jordan Wara is going to be playing his last home game at the KFC Yum Center on Sunday. And I, I guess we can start with this. Your thoughts overall on honoring a non-senior on senior day? It's not the first time we've done it, but w- w- what's your overall stance on that? I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I just think that day should be reserved for seniors only. They've gone through the rigors of the the program, even though it's, I guess you could say, you know, we do have like a grad transfer that's only played like a year, but he has put his, his time in college basketball. I just think it's a day that should be reserved for seniors, but that doesn't diminish what, you know, the guys who have gone through it, like uh, I think Francisco went through it. You know, I'm trying to think who else went through it. Um, Earl Clark did it um, with T-Will when he was a junior, and then Gorgie did it um, with Peyton Siebel when he was a junior. Gosh, if Gorgie did it, maybe I should just change my mind and be like, okay, it's all right if Gorgie did it. Um, I do like that, like, nobody, like, like when Gorgie was going to be honored, there was quite literally zero pushback, if I remember correctly. But because <laughs> it's, it's Jordan, people are like, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that, should we actually that, be doing this? <laughs> that's actually a good point. I'm like kind of catching myself there, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't diminish what, you know, Jordan's done for the program, obviously, especially the last couple of years. So, um, you know, he deserves the recognition. Um, and I hope that, you know, it sounds like he kind of has a clear path of what he wants to do. So maybe that'll just kind of let him focus in on the end of the season here more and not worry about, you know, the peripheral stuff. I think that that's always like I think Rick Pitino I think liked doing that with uh, with, with Garcia and with Gorgie and with uh, Earl Clark and guys I think he liked having them focus like exactly what you said right there he didn't want them to be you know dealing with the outside influence hearing people talking about you know you should go or you should stay or you should do this or you should do that when they're trying to get ready for a second round game on you know Sunday um, I, I think he kind of liked having that just blocked out and hopefully with Jordan it has a similar effect because. 
I mean, right now, I, I hope Jordan's not paying attention to the mock drafts and, and stuff of that nature because he's slipping pretty much across the board. I know Sam Bassini, front of the pod uh, of The Athletic, had his top 100 big board uh, come out today. And Sam, he's as in tune with this stuff as anybody. He had Jordan down from, I think, he was at 31 the last time he did this. He's all the way down at 51 now. He also had David Johnson at 69. But uh, for nice. Jordan, I, yeah, nice. Very nice. Uh, I, I think the best thing for Jordan right now is just to just to recognize that his individual situation is improved with a deep Louisville run. Like, regardless of how many points he scores, regardless of how he plays, if Louisville gets on that biggest of stages in Atlanta in the Final Four, like, that's the best possible situation for his draft stock. The team helps him, and hopefully he has that mentality going into this final stretch. Um, overall, senior day is super weird because I, I feel like it's so emotional at the beginning. You have these relationships with these players that most of the time have been here for three or four years. Um, you're saying goodbye to them. You, you spent the, the past, the, the previous couple of days hearing their press conferences and sharing memories and all this stuff. And then you have to play a basketball game that's usually pretty important. I, I feel like I kind of always forget the games unless something bad happens, like the famous South Florida game or the uh, the Virginia, the .9 seconds game. But do you have any like like senior day memories from over the years? I mean, you were going to games for you know, billions of years back at Freedom Hall. Do you have any senior day memories that really stand out? <laughs> I was like really trying to rack my brain on this. Like when I think of senior days that like during the Rick years, it was, it always started out with like, you know, the video tribute, which would be like baby pictures during like, like a Sarah McLaughlin or like Nora Jones song, like blasting, like throughout Freedom <laughs> Hall. Um, and then like, see like Brandon Jenkins and like oversized glasses and overalls at age three. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, yeah, no, you're kind of right. Like, I really like nothing as far as the games stick out. Like, obviously, the 2014 class of like Russ, Luke, uh, SVT, and Hendo, that was a big one. I remember we beat uh, the piss out of UConn. Yeah, we did. We absolutely, that was like the perfect day. Pitbull like came on like the. And like gave a tribute to the seniors. I remember that. Um, you and I and uh, your brother and, and Mary and, and my sister-in-law blacked out with the patinos at Molly Malone's. That was fun. That's, yeah, that that is very true. That definitely happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was just like the perfect storm of a day. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the only other one I could think of was uh, the Will Scott one because I was so sad about Will Scott and I, th I can't remember who he went to with. I think it was Padgett and somebody else and I left you a voicemail of a rendition of Elton John's Candle in the Wind except I kept changing the lyrics to all the UML players that were leaving um, oh, if that voicemail it. still existed yeah that would uh, that would be tough to listen to but no that was that was a good one those were simpler days. I believe this was, um, I, I believe the actual lyrics were, you started out by saying goodbye, Terrence Williams. Yeah. And then it was, I think you were the greatest man I've ever known in my life. And then you said, oh, wait, that was Will Scott. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> I think that's, yeah. Uh, we had a lot of friends growing up. We had, uh, I know. did God. real well with the ladies. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember, I, I guess besides that one, like, I remember the mango shot. That was senior day. You kind of forget about it because it sort of became its own entity because we just lose to Virginia every single year. And then I feel like besides that, we always played Notre Dame. Like, Big East, ACC, I feel like senior day was always against Notre Dame, and we always beat them after losing to them at their place earlier in the year. That's just kind of uh, how I feel. I also remember Luke Whitehead 
I think cussing during his senior day speech after whoever we beat his senior year, which was 03, and we were in high school. And I remember that was wonderful. That's what really stands out. Winning close games, losing close games, and Luke Whitehead cussing back in 2003. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like, Rick, it was so funny. Like, Rick, like, when he, like, would get behind the mic, I just knew. I was like, Rick absolutely loves doing this shit. He's, like, such an entertainer. Um, but I do remember like the Peyton one where he like got like so choked up. He like couldn't even like speak yeah. on him. So that was one that stood out as well. Has there ever been anything more awkward inside the KFC Yum Center than like the, the minute after we lost to South Florida, where everybody <laughs> where was just like, standing like, around, it's like 50% of the crowd is disgusted and storming out of the building and talking about how this team sucks and they never want to watch Louisville basketball again. The other 50% is standing around waiting for the team to come back out and Kyle Couric and uh, whoever else were seniors on that team to give their, their senior day speeches. And it just didn't happen. It was like, it was like waiting for an encore after a kind of shitty concert. And the artists are just like, no, <laughs> we're not well, doing it. I think like, I mean, Kyle didn't strike me as a huge public speaker. So I'm, I'm sure he was like, all right, I'm kind of glad we lost. I don't want to talk in front of all these people, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was, that one definitely was, that was a low point. I was like, oh my God, we're going to like have a really early exit here. So it shows you how much that we all know about college basketball. Fucking quacky, man. Quacky ruined that whole night. Quacky yep. Quacky and me uh, sliding and falling down on the senior night poster. It was just a terrible <laughs> night overall. It was real bad. Um, we're saying – you mentioned this earlier, and senior day has gotten kind of different over the years because it used to be it was always just seniors that have been here for four years or seniors that have been here five years. They redshirted as, uh, when they first arrived at UofL. And now we've had some grad transfers in the mix. We've had some normal transfers in the mix. You've got guys that are leaving early. And it's kind of a mixed bag this year. You've got Ryan McMahon who's been here for – 75 years at this point Dwayne Sutton who transferred after his true freshman season at UNC Asheville Jordan Wara who's leaving uh, as a junior and then grad transfers in Stephen or I guess regular transfer in Stephen Enoch grad transfer in Fresh Kimball and then a grad transfer walk on in Keith Otto it's just kind of all over the board as far as emotions go but uh, is it safe to assume that I think the two guys that the fans are going to to really be locked in on on Sunday probably McMahon and Sutton Uh, would you agree yeah and I mean, I think just because of the impact Jordan's had the last two years, I I think fans will be appreciative, you know, sure, him going sure. through it as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as just you know, kind of been through the rigors of the program, obviously Ryan, and then Dwayne's kind of exemplified kind of what it means to to be a Louisville Cardinal, really. I mean, he's kind of the player that. When you're a Louisville fan, he's the type of kid you want in your program that we kind of grew up cheering for. Um, I obviously have a soft spot for Ryan because when he came in, he didn't come in with a lot of notoriety. And I mean, as you know, I've been kind of riding his his bandwagon since he got here. And it's it's been awesome to see just how far he's come in his 25 years here. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, he really has developed as a player. Um, you know, not just a shooter. And he, I mean, to what he's gone through, I mean, he's been through three coaches, you know, a, a, a tournament ban, um, just total ups and downs in the program. So for him just to, you know, keep his mouth shut and, and do his job and, and show up every day and get better. I mean, that's just a testament to him. And I, you know, I, he's someone that I'm always going to remember, you know, 
wearing wearing a Cardinal jersey. I wrote this earlier today on uh, Car Chronicle. I'm doing senior sentimentality posts for everybody who's leaving. I'm about to finish up the Dwayne Sutton one when we wrap this pod up, and I'll post that later tonight. But with Ryan, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, I feel like with shooters, it's kind of like when you have enough money. You take it for granted. It's not a big deal when you have it, and you're like, oh, I could always have more. You get kind of greedy, but when you when you lose money or when you lose a shooter, I think that's when it really sets in and you you have a full appreciation for their value. Like My bold prediction with Ryan McMahon is, because, look, the, the kid's been, and this is with every Louisville player, but he's been criticized. When you're a specialty player and you have one bad shooting night, everybody's like, get that kid out of here. Like, like he can't, if you can't shoot, what are you doing out here? He's terrible on defense. Like, all that stuff happens. But I feel like when you have bad shooting teams, all of a sudden you look back and you're like, how the hell didn't we appreciate a guy that shot 45% from three and was almost automatic whenever he was open? I feel like five or six years from now or 10 years or 15 years from now, whenever we have a really bad shooting team that gets open looks from the outside but just cannot knock down anything, and we're like three of 20 from three in a game, everybody's going to be like, the one thing this team could use is a Ryan McMahon. Like, kind of yeah. like what we do with Trez right now. We, like, we didn't really appreciate Trez. We called him too much of a bully. He wasn't a great leader. And now we're like, man, if we just had Trez, everybody would be tough as nails. We'd be able to kick everybody's ass. I feel like that's going to happen with us and McMahon with, when it comes to shooting. No, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, with with that being said, like, it's just like, like I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We're probably going to have, like, shitty shooting teams at some point. Um, and I'm, like, thinking, I'm, like, harking through, like, even Patino's years. Like, we had, like, a two- or three-year stretch where we could, like, never shoot the ball and uh-huh. um i i feel like luke kind of came in and and saved the day there being kind of like the shooter that we'd always been looking for um but yeah it's gonna be tough i mean he's he's pretty much automatic when obviously from the free throw line and then we know what he can do from three so yeah that'll be a tough one to lose for sure definitely gonna miss ryan uh i think everybody's gonna miss Dwayne sutton as well and he has a cool backstory comes out of manual, and I remember, and I wrote this in the thing that's going to publish later tonight. I remember hearing about him. I knew he had a big game at the LIT, and his highlights looked pretty good. And I asked somebody here locally, and I won't name their names because it's not it's not a quote that aged very well. And I was like, "What's up with the kid from Manual? Uh, I know that Scotty Davenport really wants him at Bellarmine. Can he play at, at a high level?" And the response was, "He plays his ass off. He could be a low D one player." but he doesn't shoot it or handle it well enough to be a high major guard. And he's not big enough uh, or strong enough to be a forward at the high level. And it's kind of ironic now because you fast forward five years, he's played all four positions besides, uh, besides point guard. He's played every position on the floor besides point guard. He's at your center. When we have to go really small, he can obviously play the four, obviously play the three he plays the two a little bit. He, and it started at UNC Asheville, where he played his true freshman season, and he only was able to come here. It wasn't like Louisville saw that this kid was killing it at the low major level, offered him a scholarship, and said, we've got to get him here for three years. He only came here because his mom was an employee, and he was able to come here as a walk-on and get free tuition. Like, that's the only reason how we ended up with the, why we ended up with Dwayne Sutton. And you look now, it's hard to envision this program going through all that it went and coming out as clean on the other side, at least at the moment without Dwayne Sutton. Like he has been the one constant in this period of, of just complete instability. I feel like. Yeah. And I remember early on when Dwayne came here and had to sit out a year, Patino saying like, you should see Dwayne Sutton in practice. Like this guy is an absolute warrior. Um, so you heard rumblings about it, but yeah, I mean, he's, 
absolutely been everything we could have asked for and more. And the thing about him, I, I just hope that his story is not done. You know, we, we still have a, a lot of basketball to play, and I, I, I hope that he can make an impact um, in a large way or, you know, whether it's like a big play down the stretch of a, a tournament game or something, because no one deserves it more than that guy. He, he puts his heart and soul into pretty much every game. So, you know, I think he deserves all the good things uh, that should, you know, come with playing college basketball. He seems like he's also going to be another one of those anecdotal players where, you know, 10 years from now, if we have a team that's going through the motions and not playing all that hard and your son Cam is watching Louisville and he's like, man, so-and-so, he's a real dog out there. He's getting a lot of rebounds. You're going to be like, buddy, you should have seen Dwayne Sutton when you were just a kid. Like, he's going to be like our version of Rodney McRae. Like, to to our dads, nobody in the world ever played harder than Rodney McRae. He could kick everybody in America's ass. He single-handedly saved the economy back in like like Rodney McRae was everything that Louisville basketball was supposed to be, and I kind of feel like for this new generation, for this current period, that's Dwayne Sutton. Like that's how he's going to be remembered. Yeah, we're gonna be like, oh man, well you know we'll have like a just a perfectly built power forward and be like, if only we could put Dwayne Sutton's heart inside this exactly. guy's body. Like you know, that's always things. the quote. Yeah, that, yeah. that's. A, if this guy had one eighth of the heart of Dwayne Sutton, he'd be having. It's like some kid, poor kid who's averaging like seventeen and ten for us that we feel like should be averaging twenty eight and fifteen. Dwayne, um, Dwayne Sutton is like the prototypical favorite player of like every U of L fan over the age of forty five. Like they're like, oh man, I just love the Dwayne Dwayne Sutton hustle and heart. He just leaves it all on the court, and you know he he's just an old man favorite. They definitely have a point. I mean, I think Chris Mack's exact quote today was, if we had 13 Dwayne Suttons, we'd never have to practice, which is yeah. pretty high praise. And I feel like I, I feel like Chris Mack would have immediately regretted the decision to come here if he didn't have Dwayne on this roster. Because oh, yeah. like, he has been super, super critical of, of the guys that he inherited. I think that always happens when you have uh, a changeover from one regime to the next. And Dwayne's been the one guy from day one where he's always been like, He's got the heart. He's the type of guy that we want. He's the player that we're going to recruit moving forward. I feel like um, the, the way that Rick Pitino looked at Reese Gaines as helping to bridge those first two years, I kind of feel like that's how Chris Mack's going to view Dwayne Sutton that's, as far as installing his culture here. That's that's a great point because, I mean, we have a lot of freshmen this year that aren't playing, but they go up against Dwayne every day in practice. And to think if, like, Dwayne wasn't there, like, these guys probably, I mean— I know Malik, you know, he's definitely stepped up his intensity on the defensive end, but these freshmen probably wouldn't know like what, like, like the intensity that you have to play with is if it wasn't for Dwayne, like he's out there showing like on a day in day out basis. So he's probably going to have like a, a bigger impact than anyone on the future classes because his like toughness is just going to carry on from, you know, class to class. No, I totally agree. I I feel like, you know how like you always get those stories from guys that graduate who talk about, well, this guy kicked my ass every single day when I was here for the first. Like Kyle Kirk did it with T. Will. Um, I'm trying to think of. Well, I was gonna say Akoy had it with Montrez, but like Akoy transferred because Montrez kicked his ass so much <laughs> in practice. But like you always have those stories, and I feel like for this senior class or for this freshman class, I mean, when they get to be juniors and seniors, they're all gonna look back and say, you know, Dwayne Sutton really taught us how to work and all that good stuff, which is awesome. We're not going to talk a whole lot about the Virginia Tech game on Sunday. Virginia Tech is, I mean, they have been leaking oil for a long time here. They're really, really struggling. They had a chance to get a big win over Virginia on their home floor earlier this week uh, and and kind of fell apart late and lost that game. 
they don't have like they were a bubble team for a short period of time. They've fallen off that wagon now. I think they're six and eleven overall in the conference. They, they've really stumbled uh, <clears throat> as of late. But Mike Young's a good coach. They play an interest, interesting style. They take a lot of threes. But this is also a program that I think we have won 14 straight games against, which is the longest active winning streak that we've got going. Um, that's kind of wild. But just, uh, I, I mean, we're going to spend most of the rest of the podcast answering your questions on Twitter. But real quick, bef- before we move on, overall thoughts on, on Virginia Tech? What's your nervousness level for this actual game? Because um, I think we're all just kind of assuming victory at this point, which feels a little bit dangerous. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think this is like a a big a bigger game for the guys than it is the fans because, I mean, it starts now. Like, after this game, there is no, like, you know, we can play bad. Like, you have to play good from, from now and, and until the end of the year. So, I mean, it's definitely a get-right game. I'm glad we're hitting Virginia Tech when they're kind of in this, you know, funk or slide. So, I mean, that should be good for us. But I, I, I really – I. I hope we come out and honestly, I hope, I hope we, you know, beat their brains. And I think it's a game we should win by like, I, I'm, maybe I'm getting greedy, but I would say, you know, 15 to 17 points. Um, I just think we're talent wise. We're that much better. And as far as coming off that, you know, kind of not devastating loss, but just kind of that, like, take your, take your air out of the sales loss to Florida state. I just think we, this is a good team to get right again. So I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I hope I hope we play well because I think I, I like when we play well and we can carry it into the next couple of games. Yeah, the one other thing worth mentioning about Sunday is that uh, during his press conference today, Chris Mack said Malik Williams has not been practicing this week. He's still talking about him being day to day, and he says, you know, if Malik can play on Sunday, we're not going to be able to keep him from playing. That's just kind of who he is. But he made it sound like it's probably more likely than not that Malik is not going to play on Sunday. And he says if that's the case, obviously Stephen Neox is going to play big minutes. He said that Aiden Agehan is going to be still out with that shoulder injury. And he said that this could mean additional minutes for not just uh, Stephen down low, but that smaller lineup where Dwayne plays the five. And also we could see more, he said, Quinn Slazinski, oh, your boy. I, I saw the quote. I saw the quote kind of perked up a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we're going to need everyone to contribute. I mean, you know, gosh, ankles make me a little bit nervous. Like Uh even if Malik does come back, I, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to see how well he performs. Um, it's just always in the back of people's minds when you're playing on kind of a bum ankle. So, I mean, I'm in the, I know we talked about this last pod and you said, you know, if he's healthy, get him out there. Like I want him to be as close to a hundred percent as possible and if that means sitting out the Virginia game, then by all means, I, I'm okay with him sitting out the Virginia game. I just, I want the the best Malik out there. Um, so I, you know, whatever he has to do to get healthy, I'm I'm all for it. Here's the thing about Virginia Tech is they have zero inside presence. Like like they do not have a a post player who's notable. Like they just they are the weakest team inside of anybody in the ACC. They are all guard driven or undersized forward driven. So. You can get by without playing Malik Williams in this game. I don't know. I don't think we can win in Charlottesville without him because Jay Huff is a guy who I, I think he guarded really well the first go around, and I think you need him to slow him down. I think he can help out against a guy like Mamadi Diakite as well. So if if they want to rest Malik this weekend, I'm totally fine with it. If he's 90% good to go um, for the season finale, regular season finale in Charlottesville next Saturday, I think you got to play him because he's that I guess important. You, I mean. Team. 
Yeah, that is such a long time. I mean, to have a Sunday game and then like uh, wait till next Saturday, I, I would think that's probably be enough time um, to get him right for that. But yeah, I mean, fingers crossed on that. But he would definitely be a huge loss if he couldn't play the Virginia game. But like I said, I, I do want him to be healthy and not have any chance of re-injuring it or have him out there at 50 percent. Oh, for sure. Um... Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, I asked for you guys to submit some questions here that we're going to answer on Twitter. We'll get to as many as we can here. Both Dan and I are kind of, uh, we have some time issues. We got some scheduling issues. We got to get out of here relatively quickly. But um, we'll start here. uh, Trevor Lithgow says, what best player on some of Louisville's worst teams would make us title favorites? So if we're talking about the worst teams, we'll limit this to the lifetime of you and I, because that's all we can remember. Like I'm thinking of, the late 90s, like that 98 team that was so bad. Like Rashard Brooks. Um, I don't think Rashard Brooks would make us a favorite. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I, I was just thinking of a really bad I mean, team that we had. It, the, the answer has to be Reese Gaines, right? Yeah, I, I, now that I think about that. I mean, he was on the Rick's first-year team that didn't make the tournament. Right. Um, and he was an absolute stud. So, yeah, I mean, that would probably be my answer. Um I remember the year after the Final Four, 2005. That was T. Will's freshman year. I, I don't. Did T. Will have a pretty good freshman year? I think he was like. He was hit or miss. I remember. Yeah. I remember like when Taekwon graduated, he did this whole thing where he was handing the the baton over to T. Will. Like that was kind of the the whole thing. But he was definitely like he was the, the only thing I remember about T. Will's freshman season was he kept shooting threes and he kept missing threes and every it drove everybody crazy. Yeah, no, I. Those are those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if you got another answer. I, I mean, I, I feel like Reese Gaines is the obvious answer, and yeah, it feels kind of. I mean, that feels. I guess we're taking junior Reese Gaines because that team, like you said, they didn't make the NCAA tournament. They lost to uh, Temple in the NIT, but senior Reese Gaines, like that team, was a four seed, won the conference USA tournament. They were pretty good, but I still feel like that works. So how about when we? Uh... Lost to Cal in the first round. Didn't like Rakeem Buckles have a really good year that year? He had a really good game in that game. Um, he got hurt. Remember that year? He like he, the fifth metatarsal. That was like when it started that whole day. He got hurt right before the Kentucky game. Was it that year he got hurt, or was it the year after? I'm pretty sure it was that year. I could be wrong. I mean, Rakeem got hurt like every single year, though. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I think that was the first big one. I think he was playing well, and then he got hurt. In that I season. had such high hopes for that guy, but we all did. Uh, I know. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Um, South End Hero says, "Should U of L have built an on-campus, smaller but modern basketball arena?" I guess that, you know it, it's been ten years since the Yum Center opened. I guess people are looking at um, you know, kind of how this whole thing worked out. I still, I mean, I, I think the Yum Center was probably the right call. And I like that the last couple of games, the attendance has been back up there around that 22,000 mark. I don't know if that's a sign of things to come or if it's just a, a sign that this season has gone well and people are excited about the direction of the program this particular year. But 
it's nice to get those attendance totals back up. But I know that it's been a financial kind of point of contention. But yeah. I still like the Yum Center. We, I mean, look at all the concerts that come here now. Like, I feel like we wouldn't get those if we had a smaller, modern, ba- on-campus basketball arena. So this one is tough for me because Freedom Hall, I felt like, was my second home growing up. I mean, I was there for every home game from, you know, like 93 until whenever it shut down, it felt like. so. And Freedom Hall had such just like a – I don't even want to say it was like an on-campus atmosphere, but it was a different atmosphere than what's at the Yum. Like the Yum is more, um, it's I don't an NBA say, crowd. It's, yeah, it's an NBA crowd. Um, Freedom Hall just got so loud and raucous, and there were so many characters there as fans. But I mean, on campus, God, it would be really cool to just have an absolute like wild, you know, arena, but. It is. I mean, it's awesome for recruits. It's awesome for the city that we have such like a a nice facility that we're able to use, you know, not only for college basketball, but like you said, for other stuff too, like concerts and stuff. Um, let's see here. 920 Marl Bohr Roser. I can't read your entire name. It says, is it irresponsible to not shave with the coronavirus upon us? Have you seen that story that says that? Uh, I, I still don't know if it's fake or not, but it says like... One of the things that you can do to avoid contracting the coronavirus is to shave your beard. I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't grow, you know, facial hair like you can. So I'm, I'm gonna let you take this one. I, this might be, if the coronavirus does become a big thing, and this story is actually legit, this is gonna be the answer to the age-old question of what it's going to take to actually make me start like working out again, because. <laughs> I won't shave until I've lost at least 15 pounds. I am terrified of what my face without hair would look like right now. Like, I, I don't even want to think about it. It's like my dad, you know, you know, my dad, I mean, my dad's had a beard my entire life. He shaved it one time when I was 18. I, I was coming back from, I think it was like senior retreat at Trinity and he had shaved it. Nobody, was, he looked horrible. Like it was a horror show. He was so embarrassed. He like started growing it back immediately. He was depressed for the three weeks that it took to get the facial hair back. That would be me if I shaved right now. I don't want any part of that. So if, if this does come, if this virus does come, and we I have can't a pandemic even, yeah. going on, I got to shave. But I, I got to work out. Remember, I can't remember you without a beard. Like maybe I'm just, I don't know how long it's been, but it'd feel like if like Santa shaved his beard. Like it's just been so long since you had one. Or, it's been you know, like no five years, there. man. Like yeah. I look back at the wedding pictures and I don't even recognize that person anymore. And even then I kind of had the scruff going, but. You start losing the hair. You got to shape that face some somehow, and that's the uh, it's the only alternative. So it's what I'm working with. You got to do what you got to do. Um, Hayden Nara says, "Can you spend the hour trying to lip read Archie and his staff's conversation?" I did you saw see that. that. You see yeah, that video? Bruiser that Flint. was intense. Yep, that was very intense. My man Archie, uh, I would probably not have a bad year next year if I were him. Um, just a little word of advice because I, I feel like he's kind of. Uh, his clock has already started to tick a little bit, but yeah, that was not a good look on the IU bench last night. Well, they did, that's two straight games. There's been a controversial interaction between him and one of his assistants. The game before, he smacked the clipboard out of the dude's hands, who I don't even know which assistant it was. Like that was kind of, I think he's trying to do the Bob Knight thing too much. I think he's trying to play up to the fan base. And then he and Bruiser are getting into it. I don't know, man. Like I, I miss I that, Dayton Archie. Like I love Dayton Archie. And like for some reason, I can't stand. I mean, maybe it's just because I don't like IU to begin with, but I can't stand IU Archie. Could not agree more. Like 
Dayton Archie was lovable. I think he should have stayed there. I think he should have stayed in that cave. I think he would have been more happy there. Because um, I, I, I don't think that he's happy at all in Bloomington. And it's, it's showing. Speaking of which, we probably should mention uh, Christian Lander, the five-star prospect from Southern Indiana. <sighs> uh, took a visit here last week. He announced his commitment to Indiana. I think... Like, I know that everybody's in on all these conspiracy theories and there's all this stuff about, you know, Chris Mack not being able to recruit and doing all this stuff. I, I think the, the situation is kind of simple. He's an Indiana kid. He's looking at a program in Louisville that has David Johnson, who's 100% going to be your starting point guard next year. And probably unless he just is, explodes going to be your starting point guard when he's a junior. And then Indiana has zero point guard play. They, they've got nobody to run the, that offense. I feel like that's the easier step for him to go there and play right away. Um, you know, is, is there something concerning about Mac losing a recruit to Archie Miller? Sure, but I think this one's a lot more understandable than some of the other misses that we've seen. In uh, I agree, months. it's not. It's and for me, it's not even about just this kid alone. I think it's the totality sure. of it all. Sure. Um, I mean, we we gotta land a point guard. Um, I mean, it's great that we have Dave right now, um, and obviously he's panning out. If Jay, if, if Jay Scrub, I mean, again, we, we've talked about this in the pod. If he doesn't come to Louisville next year and, you know, recruiting kind of keeps on the same path where we're kind of missing out on guys. I mean, I'm, I, I have to admit I'm a little bit nervous, but not enough to, like, just flat out panic. But I would really like to see us start picking up recruiting a little bit. A lot of people also ask questions about Jay Scrub, wanting us to talk about that and there haven't really been any developments. I know that, I don't know if you saw the tweet that he put out yesterday. Chris Mack did visit him on, I guess it was Wednesday. Uh, a couple of NBA programs, I think were, or NBA franchise head scouts that were watching him play as well. But he put the picture of him talking to Chris Mack with a little hourglass emoji, which is comforting. I mean, if nothing else, he's, he's thinking about Louisville a little bit. I still think just based on his comments and based on the turn that I've seen from his dad and his comments, I feel like it's more likely than not that he's going to go to the NBA. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's fallen. Like, he wasn't in San Vicini's top 100 that I saw. He's fallen in a lot of these mock drafts. I don't know. Um, I, I think he wants to go, but we'll see how it all plays out. Do you have any sort of feeling? Yeah. I mean, you, you probably have a better feel for this than me. Like, if I had to guess, I would think that he would come to Louisville with not being in any of those mock drafts. But, again, stuff changes, like, when the um, – you know, it, whenever his handlers talk to people or maybe yeah. he doesn't mind playing overseas if that's an option. But, yeah, I mean, it would be I would be very sad. <laughs> I would be very sad if he doesn't come. I really want him to come. So I think that's me hoping more than knowing he's really, really good. And, yeah, I, I think we'll see that firsthand if he does come here next year. Hayden says, should Wara go full Dame? and drop a diss track to all his haters, if he does, what would the title be? Um, first of all, yeah, sure, why not? I'd love to see Jordan uh, rap during senior day. The title of the diss track would be The N is Silent, But My Gad Isn't. How- oh, boy. <laughs> is that over the top? He's, no. not trying to, he's not trying to kill people. He's just trying to make everybody shut up with his basketball play. Oh, God. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the title, but I'll I've say got this. Jordan, the end Jordan. is silent, but the stroke isn't. Like, there's the you, you have the basketball innuendo there. I like that. Okay. That one, yeah. I mean, he's not it's, murdering us. He's yeah, just it's, silencing us with his outside shot. 
Yeah, we're a kid-friendly show here. But um, Jordan's kind of been in, like, I don't want to say he's been in, like, a fuck you mode, but he's, like, been kind of just, like, in some sort of mood, I guess, when, like, talking to the media. Like, I think he's kind of just gotten fed up with, like, the criticism, which, like, hey, I mean, he... He definitely takes the brunt of it, whether that's fair or not, Um, you know, so I I guess in a way I don't blame him. But as long as he plays well and shows up, I mean, he can do whatever he wants and talks whatever he wants. That's completely fine. But um, maybe it'll give him a little more edge in his game. I don't know. But I have noticed he's he's been a little bit um, just I don't want to say I mean, I I still think he loves the fans. I'm not saying he doesn't love them, but. I think he's just kind of dismissive of the, you know, the criticism and is kind of just over it. No, he absolutely is. And he definitely has been more just uh, blunt with his, with his answers. He, he has been really, really straightforward and, and not beating around the bush anymore. And I, I kind of respect it. Um, Rick Gibson says, as the only other Lions fan in Louisville that I know of, are you okay if Detroit picks Tua at three? I, for one, am not. Here's th- this is life as a Lions fan, Dan, and you're a Vikings fan. I'm a Lions fan. You make fun of me constantly. In September, I think it was when when Detroit blows the game against the Cardinals and ends up with a tie. Like I'm thinking, this tie is going to keep us out of the playoffs. And then it gets to December, and I'm like, this tie is going to keep us from getting a top <laughs> two pick in the draft, which is exactly what happens. We're not going to get Chase Young because of that stupid fucking tie. And whoever we get at threes, it's not going to be as good as Burrow or Young. I guarantee it. I'm with Rick. I'm not sold on two at all. It's going to be a bad draft for the Lions because the Lions always have bad drafts. So I that. actually, I, I mean, I don't want to get too off tangent here, but I'm actually really sold on two. I know he's not healthy, but I actually, I, I like, and I, I mean, Stafford is a good quarterback. He just doesn't have anything around him. So that would be the argument for you is like they need to, you know, build around, yeah. you know, Stafford's good enough. They just need to build around him. But I, I think is Stafford good be enough, really though, because I don't think he is. Uh, I, I, he just hasn't had a chance. I mean, he's getting his ass beat like every single week. He's, he's, uh, he's on his back half the time he's been in the league. So we'll never know, I guess. He's had some chances. Um, we'll, we'll end with this. Cardinal pride says two part question, which would you prefer regular season or conference tourney ACC title? And which one do you think would help us make a better postseason run? I'll let you have at that first, which would you rather, if we could win the regular season title in the ACC, or the conference tournament title, which one would you rather have? This is an easy one for me. The conference title, or, or excuse me, like the conference tournament title, 100%. Um, I feel like the years we've done well in the conference tournament, we've usually carried that over into uh, into the actual NCAA tournament. Um, and it's just, for my enjoyment, like I absolutely love watching conference tournaments, and I I'm biased and I want us to, you know, obviously be there in the end. So that would be my pick. I mean, there's no, no shame. I mean, it would be awesome to win like the actual regular season in your conference. But for me, it would be conference tournament. No, I'm with you hundred percent too. I mean, especially this year right now where you've really, I know Virginia is coming on, but you've really got two great teams in the conference besides you and Duke and Florida state. And if you're going to win the conference tournament this year, you're probably going to have to beat both of them. So I feel like the best thing for Louisville's NCAA tournament resume would be to, uh, to, to win the conference tournament title. And also, like, I'm with you. I, I think that teams that typically do really well in the NCAA tournament almost always do pretty well in their conference tournaments. They, one of the most infamous March stats of all time is there's never been a team in the history of the NCAA tournament that has won it 
but also lost the first game of his conference tournament. It's never happened. So um, it goes to show that more times than not, if you win a couple of games in, the, in your conference tournament, it's a it's a good thing. And I, the whole notion of teams getting tired or worn down and not wanting to play as many games as possible is ridiculous. Um, all you have to do is look at t- 2011 for the perfect example. UConn wins five games in five days. Had never happened before in any conference tournament ever. And they go on to win the national championship a few weeks later. So, uh, yeah, th- that's that. Uh, apologies to all the questions that we didn't get. We got to get out of here. Before we do, want to remind you guys to subscribe, rate, and review the pod if you can. Uh, we'll read one quick review um, because we promised we would do it. Uh, Cards in Jacks 33 says, great for long-distance card fans. I love listening on the drive to work. It's so nice to be able to listen in Florida and definitely fills the void. These guys crack me up. Mike says, I've said it a billion times. Dan, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's apparently how, <laughs> how we, we interact. That, that, I actually saw that one, and it made me laugh out loud pretty hard when I said that. I don't know why I was – yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense, but I appreciate him calling me out. <laughs> All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we will have another pod after the Virginia Tech game to recap the Senior Day festivities and really – the next time we talk, it's going to be March, which is just fucking awesome. Uh, it's best time of the year. We thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go Cards, beat Virginia Tech. Go Cards.